0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another podcast episode today. The inspiration behind the episode is the culture of England, of the United Kingdom. I know that this can be a very intriguing topic for most of you because you are not only learning a new language, but you are understanding the psyche, the habits, the culture of a completely new place and they go hand in hand. So let's dive deep into some culture behind the United Kingdom. And have a little think for yourself when you think about the British culture, what pops into your mind? The reason this came to my mind was a couple of classes that I've had recently in the past couple of days. We have found ourselves discussing the British culture, and it has really been thought-provoking and made me think about it much more deeply than I normally or usually do. I will share the thoughts that I discussed with my students at the end, but let's go into some points. Brits love to apologise. Bumped into someone? say sorry before walking away. Need to get someone's attention? Start your sentence with sorry. Need to squeeze past someone in a crowded room? You guessed it, say sorry as you move past. Sorry is widely used to qualify a whole host of things um, and can, quite frankly, get very, very confusing. But no matter where I go in the world, no matter where I am, I can't help but continue using this word in almost all situations. The irony is, in most of those situations, I'm not sorry about anything. But it is a habit, and something that you should be aware of, that even if someone says sorry, it doesn't mean that they are actually sorry. It's a word that can fill the gap in many different situations. Secondly, moving on to the second cultural point, is Brits. Are very fussy about queuing. They are fussy about cues, Fussy, particular, strict, doing things in the right way. If you've ever travelled around to different countries, or, or maybe where you are from, cues are not taken as seriously, right? You can barge in, you don't stand in a line, everybody is stood all over the place. But in Britain, it's a little bit different. I did a bit of research and tried to figure out was there any origin to this i saw something which said that it stems from world war one or two where there was rationing of food and the brits had to queue up to collect their eggs their milk their butter their essentials and then everything was done in a very organized tidy way and it is taken very seriously which means no queue jumping if i'm in a queue and someone jumps in front of me you best be sure that I will say something to them. Uh, Even if you're in a hurry, you should not be cutting in front of others. As for me, this is seen as the epitome of being very, very rude. This next one that I'm gonna lead you towards is talking about the weather. I mean, it is considered a national sport in England. No matter what, this conversation always seems to begin, continue and end with talking about the weather. No matter what situation, it is the perfect way to begin and to continue with small talk. And you know that small talk is quintessentially British, whether you like it or whether you don't like it. If you're not sure what small talk is, it's just a polite but not meaningful conversation with someone. And as you guessed, one of the most popular topics for small talk is the weather. As we do like talking about weather and having small talk, we do also love drinking tea. Tea with milk. Um, Even though I think coffee is a popular hot drink in the UK, tea is the leader. Something like 36 billion cups of tea are drank in the UK every year. Uh, So don't be surprised if you are endlessly offered a cuppa A cuppa is short for a cup of tea, Um, and also possibly having a little bit of a chit-chat while drinking a cup of tea. Let's connect the drink to the food. The British food has many different opinions all over the world, and most of the time people say only negative things about British food, don't they? It's bland, flavourless. Boring, low quality. I'm not here to argue with you about that. I I, I am going to say that we do have many different dishes. Whether that is a steak and kidney pie, a shepherd's pie, sausages and mashed potato, um, a full roast dinner on a Sunday or on Christmas Day, a full English breakfast, uh, many, many things. Fish and chips, of course. But, you know, curry is actually the national dish. Um, I don't know whether it's... I think chicken tikka masala is the most popular dish in Britain, which is incredible. Um, Obviously, due to the immigration of people from Pakistan, India and Bangladesh in the past, you'll be able to find delicious and authentic curries from South Asia. I think London has a place called Brick Lane, Manchester has a Curry Road, um, and Birmingham has the Balti Triangle. So all of these places you can go to find very incredible food. But you can also find food in the UK from most or if not all parts of the world, whether you are craving Japanese sushi, whether you're cre- craving Thai food or Italian You can get your hands on absolutely anything. Uh, Also, I may add, we don't all speak like the Queen in the United Kingdom. According to some research, uh, we have over 50 accents in the United Kingdom, which change noticeably every 25 miles. And very few of us sound like the Queen, who speaks with a received pronunciation also known as Queen's English or BBC News Reporter English. Um, The theory is that the Queen does not have an accent as she is from the UK and those that do have an accent come from elsewhere or have been influenced by an accent from elsewhere, which for me is somewhat controversial, but does have some truth to it. For example, those who hail from Liverpool, hail means come from, Have an accent that is a melting pot of welsh irish and even scandinavian accents because the city was a major sea port excellent Uh, let's continue down the track of british humor most people take a while maybe to get my sense of humor maybe some people never get my sense of humor british humor is full of sarcasm and banter Banter is something else that I've discussed in a few classes very recently. British humour is world-renowned for being a bit odd, but at the same time we have successfully imported our brand of humour to the world. Think of Mr Bean, think of Gavin and Stacey, think of Dad's Army, think of Faulty Towers. If you've not seen any of those those series or those shows, please do check them out. They have me bursting out into laughter, but I'll be interested to know whether the same effect uh, happens upon you. While I would say that it's impossible for us to explain all the different types of British humour, it is safe to say that you will come across a lot of dry, sarcastic humour that is subtle, making it hard to know when someone is cracking a joke or being deadly serious. And, Also, there are very few taboos, and Brits do love to poke fun at their politicians and people in the public eye, including, especially in more recent times, the royal family. Now, this last point, or this penultimate point, is not true for me, but for most Brits, the pub is like a second home. It would be an understatement to say that Brits love to go to the pub. Why? It is a place to socialize, to eat, drink, watch sport, and take part uh, in a great British pursuit that is called the pub quiz. Um, I would say that, generally speaking, pubs are considered friendly places, and if you don't drink alcohol, you can also get a soft drink, but always buy your round. Which means when it is your turn, you buy all the drinks for the table, and every other person does the same thing. So that means that you don't end up spending more, but one person goes to the bar and buys a drink for every person. Which makes it much easier than each person rushing to the bar every single time. This is a central part of pub etiquette and means that you will have your drinks bought for you by the people you go with. And in return, you should never leave the pub until you have bought them a drink. Maybe that's why we end up with so many drunk people at the end of the night who have been to the pub, because they cannot leave. Anyway, these are some essential parts of British culture. And uh, one, a couple of things that some students have shared with me over the past couple of days about British culture is the british people's approach to work and approach to dealing with situations when in a work environment i will give you one example before we wrap up being in an airport recently in another country i was told that i could only check in in two different places but those places had queues that were so incredibly long and i only needed to receive a boarding pass, but I did not need to check any bags in, which should mean that I could check in with any um, employee at any place that is within the same company. And I tried my luck. I went to another desk, and even though at first he was not too welcoming or forthcoming, he ended up doing it for me, even though supposedly it shouldn't have been possible. If I compare that to my experiences in the United Kingdom, I would say that nine times out of ten, they would have said to you, no, you're supposed to go to this queue, you are not allowed to come to this queue, and so please go to where you have been instructed to. Things are a little bit more rigid. Things are not as flexible, maybe not as much critical thinking or open-mindedness. And I, I, I do think about that quite a lot, I, because I don't think it matches my personality, so to speak. And so, please share with me, everybody, um, what do you think about those points? And do you agree from your experience that they are true? And how would you compare them to the culture and the attitude in your own country? Because because that is always a very interesting topic to compare the two. Anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening. That is the end of this episode. Um, and thank you so much for your time. I look forward to you being there in the next one um, and have a lovely rest of the day wherever you are thank you very much bye for now